Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Uh, we're going to do a new series this, uh, this morning called Airplane Mode. If you're not familiar with Airplane Mode, it's a function on your phone, and it's equivalent to Do Not Disturb. If you activate Airplane Mode on your phone, uh, then you know, you're not going to get any phone calls, you're not going to get any messages or notifications until you turn Airplane Mode off, and then there you go again. Uh, it's called that because of the rules they have when you get on an airplane, and so... I wanted to use that idea um, today to communicate with you the idea of practicing spiritual disciplines because what we're trying to do in spiritual disciplines is we're trying to shut out all the distractions and all the noise, and we've got it all around us today, and really concentrate on the Lord and deepen and develop our relationship with the Lord. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about seven specific spiritual disciplines that have been practiced by uh, Christians throughout the, the centuries that can help you be more intentional in developing and deepening your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to talk about solitude. Um, solitude. And so that's what it's about. Now, I saw a video this week of a, uh, of a man who was reading a book with three kids present. And boy, they were having a blast, you know. They were giggling, they were playing, they were being silly, and they were being real noisy. And he's sitting there trying to read his book, and he just can't do it. And so he finally, he goes, shh. He goes, I got an idea, kids. Less, have you ever played the quiet game? Let's play the quiet game. And he explained what the quiet game was. And he says, uh, you know, we've all got to be quiet. And the first one to speak is going to be a monkey. And they all giggled, you know, and got real quiet. And then he went back to his book and he's thinking, all right, this is nice. You know, they're quiet. I'm reading my book. The kids are looking, you know, they're hanging in there. And about that time, the man's cell phone rang. And you know what happens after that, right? He answers the phone, and as soon as he does, what do the kids do? You're the monkey, right? <laughs> uh, here's the thing. My question is this. Why is it so hard to be still and quiet? Think about that. I mean, it's a challenge, especially in this day and age. You've got an entire industry, the marketing industry, that is trying to get your attention constantly. I mean pings and dings and notifications and, you know, devices and, and billboards and everything is all around us and we're constantly getting, getting, getting bombarded by all this uh, stimulation that's vying for our attention. I'm reminded of what Jesus did in Mark one thirty five, and we're going to look at different uh, verses this morning so we won't be in one main passage, but in Mark one thirty five, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. So it sounds like, as Mark writes his gospel, that it was a practice of Jesus that whenever he needed to withdraw from the crowd, because think about it, in his public ministry, wherever he went, there was a crowd. There were people that wanted to hear him speak. There were people that wanted to eat. 
I'm afraid I would have been in that crowd too. You know what I mean? But they, they, they come for the fish and chips. They wanted to see him multiply and, and feed the masses. They had heard about the miracles. Some came to see what he was going to do next. You know, a, a blind man sees, a lame man can walk, you know, raise Lazarus from the dead. What's he going to do next? And so everybody wanted a little piece of Jesus. Everybody wanted to check him out and see, see him for him for themselves. And so Jesus had to withdraw from the crowd, from the multitude, and he would really try to get connected with his father, really spend some, some uh, solitude, some one-on-one time with his father. And he did it whenever he could, like right here early in the morning when it's still dark. He goes out to a deserted place, nobody around, no distractions, no interruptions, and he simply prays. And that was Jesus' practice. Um, Here's my thought as we begin to think about the practice of solitude. I guess I want to raise the question for all of us, and that is, what keeps you from taking time to practice solitude? Now, when I say this, I know that I feel like I'm probably talking to half of you, and I'll tell you why. When it comes to personalities, there's introverts and there's extroverts, okay? I'm an introvert. If you let me go to a bookstore and say, Corey, we'll pick you up in six hours, I'll be like, I'm good. I can, I can do it. I can sit there. I can camp out. I can find a book that I like, and I can just be happy. I can absolutely be happy, okay? Um, but some of us are extroverts, and the thought of being alone by themselves, that doesn't stimulate them. So I, I get that. But when it comes to the practices of spiritual disciplines, as we go through these in this series, there's going to be some that you go, I like those. And there's going to be some you go, I'd rather not. And uh, I have one of those. You'll find out in a few weeks. But uh, anyway, uh, what keeps you from taking the time to practice solitude? Well, one guy had did a little research, and he came up with seven reasons why people uh, avoid solitude. One reason, he said, was guilt. Uh, some people will say, you know, I feel guilty for stopping what I'm doing just to be alone by, you know, for a few minutes. It, that kind of sounds like moms, really, don't it? Because moms are always busy. You take care of everybody in the family. And that one moment when you want some peace and quiet, they still find you. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so sometimes you can almost feel guilty when you have that moment just to go, ha. Ah, I've got a moment to myself. And then, well, you don't. And then the second reason that keeps people from practicing solitude is busyness. A lot of people say, I just don't have time for that. You know, they've always got something to do. Uh, They're always busy. Uh, And then uh, the third reason is ego. Some people can say, well, I can't can't afford to get away uh, from everybody. Uh, I've got a lot going on, and, and they need me. And then, of course, some people are going to say boredom, you know. They don't want to be by themselves with nobody around and nothing to do. And it gets quiet and they're bored. Who wants that, right? And then there, there's a fifth reason, and that is uneasiness. There are some people, they may not ever admit it, but when it comes to being still and quiet and nobody around, They're uncomfortable with that. They don't know what to do with that. That's why whenever they're by themselves, there's always a radio on or there's always a TV on. 
You know, when's the last time you got in your vehicle and you were by yourself and instead of reaching for the stereo button, you just drove in silence, okay? Um, the, the sixth reason why people don't practice solitude is they say it's awkward, like it's weird, like, you know, this is weird. I haven't done this before, you know? And then number seven is, is, is people. Sometimes people are so concerned about what other people think. Well, if I just do that, people will think, what's wrong with me? There's all kinds of reasons that this guy brought out in his uh, research. I like what Gordon Smith said. He said, we need to find a place of quiet for an effective, consistent encounter with God. And I agree. I want to say that again. We need to find a place of quiet for an effective, consistent encounter with God. Just like the story that, that um, Danny just mentioned about Elijah. You know, all of a sudden there's this uh, you know, earthquake and whirlwind and the fire, and yet it was in the stillness. It was with a whisper that God spoke and got Elijah's attention. How many times do we slow down? How many times do we actually stop what we're doing and just seek God in a quiet moment, in a moment of solitude when we're alone, nobody's there, there's no interruptions, there's no distractions. Charles Stanley once said, Time alone with God moves our experience as believers out of the realm of religion and into the realm of relationship. It moves us from a religious approach to God to a relational approach. In other words, some of you might be content saying, I'll just come to church. I'll just come to church. I'll listen to the preaching. I've got a good Sunday school teacher. I'll read my Bible some, and, 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 and that's good for me. But you're afraid to seek God by yourself alone. And there could be reasons for that. Sometimes, sometimes we, we avoid being alone because if we're alone too long, Maybe things come up in our mind that we haven't really dealt with, and that's the one moment it hits us. But I want to tell you that your time with God alone can be a wellspring for the rest of your life. Psalms 46 says, Stop fighting, oh, I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on earth. Or as the way I learned it, the old NIV says, Be still and know that I am God. How many times do we be still to realize that God is God. My key question today is this. When's the last time that you were alone for the sole purpose to seek the Lord? Think about that. When's the last time that you were alone and for that moment of time, ever how long it was, for a few minutes or a few hours, you focused just on you and God? Chances are you probably haven't done that. I'm not saying you don't have time that you're alone. I'm just saying, when's the last time you took time where you were alone and said, I'm going to spend this time seeking God? Nothing else. I'm not going to make a list of things to do. I'm not going to just veg out and read a book or watch TV. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to seek God. Well, I want to give you, I believe it's nine biblical reasons Nine biblical reasons, and these come from um, these come from Donald Whitney, who wrote the book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. 
He gives us nine biblical reasons why you and I should practice solitude. And I want to go through those because I hope that it, it inspires you to, to realize that when you have some time alone, to take advantage of seeking the Lord and make that time multiply in your life because time spent with God is going to be time well spent. The first biblical reason why we should practice solitude is it follows Jesus' example. It follows Jesus' example. We just read in Mark a while ago where he got up early in the morning before daylight. He went to a deserted place simply to pray. Well, uh, it looks like when we look at Scripture that Jesus had some places he liked to go to when it was time for him to get away from the crowd and unplug and seek the Father. He loved uh, water and he loved mountains. In Matthew 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard about, I guess, the news of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the town. So, so Jesus heard some news, and he wanted to reflect, and so he withdrew by boat to a remote place to be alone. You know, it's great to be on Lake Cumberland, find you a nice little spot, it's always great when you're going down you know, the channel and you see a little cove off to the side and nobody's there. You're like, let's go over here and just enjoy the, the, the moment of solitude and the scenery. Also in Matthew 14, a few verses later in verse 23, after Jesus dismissed the crowds, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray and well into the night He was there alone. So He liked water and He liked mountains. And here, after Jesus dismisses the crowd, he goes up on a mountain and he spends most of the night there all alone. What's he doing? He's spending time with his father. He's focusing on his relationship with his father. In John 6, verse 15, it says, When Jesus realized that they, the crowd, were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. See, at this point in Jesus' ministry, as John is documenting it in the Gospel of John chapter 6, some of the crowds are like, man, he's the, he's the man. He's the one. Let's make him king. And they had their own aspirations. They had their own uh, intentions and motivations and agenda for Jesus. And he knew that wasn't the Father's plan. So what did he do? He withdrew. He withdrew and he went to the mountain by himself. What do you think he did? He sought the will of the Father. And so the first reason why we should practice solitude is follow the example of Jesus. The second reason is to hear the voice of God better. To hear the voice of God better. And the example I want to use there uh, is what Danny mentioned in his children's sermon. Elijah went to Mount Horeb and he heard God speak in a whisper. I like what Donald Whitney says. He says, I believe the convenience of sound has contributed to the spiritual shallowness of contemporary Western Christianity. Let me say that again. He says, I believe the convenience of sound has contributed to the spiritual shallowness of contemporary Western Christianity. The negative side is that now we don't have to go anywhere without human voices. And as a result... We're less frequently alone with our own thoughts and God's voice. 
And that's true, you know. You see somebody now, you know, walking down the road or jogging, and as you get closer, you look at them, they got on a headset or headphone, right? They're not even listening to what's going on around them. They're jogging to their favorite tune. Uh, some of you know this, depending on what kind of job you have. Um, had a had a leaky roof this week after the rain, and had a guy come look at it, and when he walks in to meet me and he's going to check it out, He's got an earpiece in his ear, you know? So, I mean, people are always connected, right? I mean, they're connected. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm, I'm not, that's not where I'm going with this. But I'm just illustrating the fact that we are so connected to so many things that are going on around us. When do we ever unplug, okay? When do we intentionally unplug and say, during this time, I'm going to focus on God? No, no noise, no distractions, no interruptions. I'm, I'm going I'm to devote this period of time and I'm just going to seek the Lord. Because you and I need to make sure that happens. The third reason why we should practice solitude is to express worship to God. To express worship to God. I'm reminded of a couple of verses in the Old Testament. Habakkuk 2.20 says, But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in His presence. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? Just think, God is in His holy temple, and there's, there's moments when you and I need to just stop, be still, and realize that He is God. And then, of course, there's Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. Indeed, the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. And it goes on. So, be silent in the presence of the Lord. When you and I practice solitude, we're following Jesus' example, we're hearing the voice of God better, and we're expressing worship to God. A fourth reason why we should practice solitude is to express faith in God. I love this, Psalm 62, 1 and 2, David said, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. That sounds to me like someone who had a, uh, he, he was a man after God's own heart, he spent a lot of time out in the field watching over the sheep. He didn't have, you know, something in his ear. He didn't have people to talk to. He didn't have a noisemaker that he could carry with him. He was just out there in nature making sure the sheep were okay. And in all that stillness, in all that quietness, he learned to commune with the Lord. And he sought the Lord and he prayed to the Lord. And, and after spending a lot of time like that, he says, you know, I'm at rest in God alone. He's enough. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock. He is my salvation. He's my stronghold. I'll never be shaken. Sounds like a man who had plenty of time to have solitude with the Lord. Isaiah 30, verse 15, For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, You will be delivered by returning and resting, your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. So God's word from the prophet Isaiah to Israel at that time was, you'll be delivered by returning, that is repenting and returning and resting in me, and your strength 
will lie in quiet confidence. When's the last time that something happened to you and rather instead of panicking, instead of trying to figure it out, you just say, God, I'm not even going to try to hang on to this. It's yours. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. It is yours. And then you release that, that request. You release that burden to Him. And you have a quiet confidence that you can just rest in His peace that He gives you that everything's going to be okay. That is a benefit of solitude. You express your faith in God. A fifth reason why we should practice solitude is to seek the salvation of the Lord. And I'm thankful that Donald Whitney pointed this out. I would have never thought about this one on my own. But he says, look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. There it is. It's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It's good for a man to bear the yoke while he's still young. Let him sit alone and be silent, for God has disciplined him. The way I would say it is this way. In Philippians, Paul told the congregation to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you. Okay? He didn't say work for, he said work out. Uh, the implication there is this. When God is dealing with you about something, maybe He's convicting you of something you're doing, maybe He's prompting you to trust Him and step out in faith and do something new or different, but whatever the case may be, let's just say that God is dealing with you about something. It could be a negative thing, it could be a positive thing, but He's dealing with you and He's speaking to you and He's trying to get your attention. Then you need to get alone. You need to be quiet. You need to be still. And you need to take that time to really seek God and get in tune with Him and make sure that you're on the same page. Charles Spurgeon, the renowned preacher from across the ocean, he once said this. He said, I commend solitude to any of you who are seeking salvation. First, that you may study well your case as it is in the sight of God. Few men truly know themselves as they really are. Most people have seen themselves in a looking glass, which is his way of referring to a mirror. But there is another looking glass which gives true reflections into which few men look. Remember, the Word of God is like a mirror. And he says to study oneself in the light of God's Word and carefully to go over one's condition, examining both the inward and the outward sins and using all the tests which are given us in the Scriptures would be a very healthy exercise, but how very few care to go through it. In other words, Spurgeon is saying most people are more concerned at looking at a mirror they have in the house to make sure everything looks good on the outside, that they never take the time to look into the mirror of God's Word and see what God's telling them to do about what's on the inside. Very few people are willing to do that. But if you and I are willing to do that, that's a benefit of spending time with God alone in solitude. Because here's the thing, when you and I practice solitude, once you start doing it and you take, you take time that you're going to devote specifically to seek God, no distractions, no interruptions, once you begin to spend that time with God, He's going to speak with you. He might show you some things. 
And if you respond to Him and do what He says to do, and you make the adjustments and you yield to Him and you trust Him, then there's no issues between you and Him and you're going to enjoy the fellowship. You're going to enjoy the companionship and you're going to look forward to the next time that you can spend some focused time with Him with no distractions and no interruptions. Okay, the sixth reason, the sixth biblical reason why we should practice solitude is to be physically and spiritually restored. In Mark 6, verse 31, Jesus said to His disciples, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. It was a busy time of ministry with Jesus and the disciples. The crowds had been pressing in. They just kept coming and coming. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to check Him out. And the disciples were dealing with crowd control. They were also trying to take care of Jesus. They were trying to keep an eye on everything that was going on. And there was one day that they were so wiped out, Jesus looked at them and said, come on, guys, let's get out of here. Let's get away. Because they had been working so hard, they didn't even have time to eat. Now that's busy, for sure. And then number seven, the seventh reason why we should practice solitude is to regain a, a, a spiritual perspective. To regain a spiritual perspective. In Luke chapter 1, verse 20, it says, now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Now let me tell you what's going on in context. In Luke chapter 1 is the story about uh, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And Zechariah is a priest. It's his turn to go into the temple. And when he goes into the temple, the Lord appears to him and says, your wife is going to have a baby and I'm here to tell you that you're going to be silent. You're not going to be able to say a thing until these things take place because you didn't believe my words, but they'll be fulfilled. And Zechariah comes out of the temple, and he can't speak. And I'm sure the rest of the guys are going, what's going on? He can't say anything. He gets home, he can't say anything. Oh, I'm sure he wrote a few things. But as time passed, his wife was pregnant, and then when the day come for her to have the baby... They said, what are you going to name the baby? She's the only one that can talk. She says, his name is John. Well, that didn't sit well with them. You're the head of the house. What do you say? And he writes, his name is John. And as soon as he wrote the, 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 the words, his name is John, his mouth was open, his lips were able to speak, and it says that they were all amazed. And immediately in Luke 1, 64, Zechariah's mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. It's amazing how God can get our attention, can't he? You know, sometimes he has to close our mouth to open our mind. Oops, right? And he did that with Zechariah. Sometimes we need that time with God and when we have that encounter, that experience with the Lord, it completely changes the way we look at everything. It gives us perspective that only God can give. There's an eighth reason, an eighth biblical reason why we should practice solitude, and that is to seek the will of God, to seek the will of God. In Luke 6 verse 12, during those days, 
Uh, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent all night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he summoned the disciples, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. So there you go. The night before, Jesus called 12 men who he designated as apostles to spend exclusive time and follow him around for the next three years. He spent all night in prayer. He practiced solitude. And he was still and quiet before the Lord. The ninth reason why you and I should practice solitude is to learn to control our tongue. James says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Sometimes when our fuse is lit, we need to put it out by withdrawing from the crowd, getting still and quiet before the Lord, and let Him speak to us. I like what Whitney says. When you practice silence and solitude, you find that you don't need to say many things you think you need to say. In silence, we learn to rely more on God's control in situations where we would normally feel compelled to speak or speak too much. And we find out that He's able to manage a situation in which we once thought our input was indispensable. The skills of observation and listening are also sharpened in those who practice silence and solitude so that when they do speak, there's more of a freshness and depth to their words. Well, let me give you in about two minutes the rest of this. So I want to give you some tips, and these are just my tips that I've learned that I want to share with you. How do you practice the spiritual discipline of solitude? I've given you the biblical reasons for it. Let me give you some practical tips before you leave. So very quickly, I'm going to give you four. Here they are in rapid fire. Number one, take time to unplug from devices and withdraw from others. I mean, let's be honest. If we're going to spend time alone with God, we've got to unplug first. We've got to unplug from all our devices, and we've got to withdraw from people, and we need to take some time, put it on your, your day, day timer, your calendar, put it in your schedule, and say, I'm going to spend this time with God. You've got to do that first. Number two, Relax and seek the Lord. And that, that literally means just relax and seek the Lord. When I was in seminary, I, did a, I took a class on spiritual disciplines. And one of the best assignments I ever had was the professor said, during this, during this course, I want you to take a day or a weekend. I want you to schedule it and do whatever you have to do to get somewhere by yourself. And for X number of hours... I want you to, these, these practices that you're learning, I want you to do as many of them as you can and see how it affects your relationship with God. It was fall, and I knew that Black Friday was coming up. And I knew that mom would have the kids. I knew that Nancy was going to be shopping all day with her mom and be leaving before the sun got up and get back before the sun, yeah, you get the idea. And so I had all this time by myself. And I can remember waking up that morning, I didn't say anything, I didn't call anybody, I didn't text, and I just disengaged from all devices, no music, I mean complete silence. And I sat in silence. 30 minutes went by. An hour went by, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? And then I began to realize, at first, you know, you're by yourself. All these things come to your mind. Oh, man, I need to do this. I need to do that. And then all of a sudden, everything just drained from me. And then I'm like, you know, 
I'm going to seek the Lord. And I began to seek Him. I began to sing. I began to pray. I began to read my Bible. And all of a sudden, it's like getting locked into a zone. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I was embracing this solitude. I was embracing this silence. And I was beginning to seek the Lord and appreciating the fact that I actually had the time and the moment and the opportunity to unplug, to withdraw, and just seek Him. So relax and seek the Lord. The third thing is to reflect and meditate on God's Word. I mean, if you want to hear God's voice, you can't get any better than reading His Word. And prayerfully read it and reflect on it. That means think about what it says. Read it and reflect on it. And let God use that reading and reflecting of Scripture to speak to you. And then number four, the very last one, be still and simply listen to the Lord. I wish I could tell you that if you have a five-minute devotional, it'll change your life. I think you should do a devotional every day. And if it's five minutes, that's okay. But here's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we get used to our routines. Sometimes we just want to check the box, mark off the list, and rush into our day. And we confine God to just a small moment of our day, just a couple of minutes and then we're off running. Sometimes we need to be still, and we need to linger in the presence of God. He's not in a hurry. And sometimes when we're in a rush, we miss the blessing of what He wants to say to us, what He wants to show us, or simply just embracing the moment with the Lord and feeling how much He truly loves us and experiencing that peace that only He can give. So I encourage you to practice these things this next week. Unplug from your devices. Withdraw from people. Schedule a time that you're going to spend focused solely on God and nothing else. Just relax. Seek Him. Read and reflect and meditate on His Word. And just be still. And wait for Him to speak. And I believe 110% that He will. Because you're giving Him the time and the opportunity I believe it can change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll be a a blessing for you. And as all of these nine reasons say, you'll be following Jesus' example. You hear the voice of God better. You express worship to Him. You express faith in Him. You seek the salvation of the Lord. You become physically and spiritually restored. You regain a spiritual perspective. You seek the will of God and you learn to control your tongue. And all those things are really good. So I want to encourage you this morning to think about when's the last time you were alone and you said, I'm going to take this time and seek God. And in the stillness of this moment, we're fixing to have an invitation. And I want to ask you, where are you in your walk with Jesus? When you're still and when you're quiet before God, does it make you uncomfortable? If so... Is there a reason why? If, is there something He's trying to say to you? Is there something that He's trying to show you and you always want to stay busy because I just don't want to deal with that right now? Maybe God's saying, you need to come, my child. You need to come to me. You need to trust me. You need to depend on me. I'll take care of that and I can take care of you, but you've got to come to me. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, 
and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He'll give you rest for your soul. Are you at peace with God today? When you have that moment with God, can you appreciate the moment as an opportunity for what it is and say, oh, thank you, Lord. What a beautiful day. And celebrate Him, thank Him, praise Him, and experience just a fresh um, experience of His presence? Or do you avoid it going, oh, I can't handle that? I want to tell you, God wants to be your best friend, not your worst enemy. Do you know Him today? Have you ever been still and silent before God and let Him have His way in your life? Let's all stand. As musicians come, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this time and your word. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to just simply emphasize how good it is when we have time alone with you with no distractions, no interruptions. And Lord, in the stillness of your presence today, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's never took that first step to trust and follow you, Lord, I pray that they would come today. Lord, depending on you, trusting and following you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.